0: So today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how do we do radiation therapy for patients with localized prostate cancer. So just a little bit of history before we get into the details. So uh, the uh, radiation therapy was invented about 130 years ago in 1895. And for that invention, a Nobel Prize was given. And over the next century, several Development has happened for patients with uh, for patients who are, were treated with radiation therapy. Uh, notably, the first patient was treated with radiation therapy with was within one year from the devo- from the invention of X-rays. And then, over the next decades, uh, the CT was invented, the PET scan was invented, the linear accelerator was invented, IMRT and IGRT, which I'll come to explain in a second. How does radiation work? Many patients ask me how does radiation work? So radiation work is at the level of the DNA. So as you if you imagine, these are the radiation beams coming into the body. Some reactions do occur in the milieu of the of the regions around the DNA. Most important reaction is the breakdown of water molecules into hydrogen peroxide or very highly oxidative molecules that will travel to nearby areas into the DNA and will damage the DNA. Typically in normal tissues, like for example, in the case of prostate cancer, the normal tissues around the prostate are the rectum or the bladder. Normal tissues have the capacity to repair DNA damage and thus they would survive whereas cancer cells have much less ability to repair such DNA damage and thus they die. So we are benefiting from this differential response of tissues compared to cancer cells in order to get the therapeutic effect of radiation therapy. Uh, I like this diagram a lot because it puts everything into perspective. For, For patients with prostate cancer, there are three kinds of radiation therapy that could be used. The first kind is radionucleides. These are the injectable radiation therapies such as the lutetium, PSMA, or the radium. In UCSF, like in many other places, radionucleotides are delivered by our colleagues in uh, nuclear medicine, such as Dr. Hope, so I'm not going to talk about them. But then the two main modalities we use are external beam and brachytherapy. Many people ask me about proton therapy. Proton therapy is a form of external beam radiation as opposed to photon therapy. While protons have a lot of uh, ther- uh, theoretical advantages in terms of like how the dose is distributed around cancer tissue, the studies have shown that proton therapy do, does not did, do not in improve any outcomes for patients with prostate cancer. They don't reduce toxicity and they don't improve survival or cure rate. Photon therapy is the most commonly used uh, treatment delivery for patients with prostate cancer. And currently, most of the treatments are delivered via IMRT or VMAT. And here's here's another point of uh, common confusion. Many patients will ask me, should I get treated with IMRT or SBRT? I don't think this is a right answer, a right question, because SBRT is a form of IMRT. What patients usually mean is, should I be treated with conventional fractionation, which is when the radiation is delivered with small radiation uh, uh, fractions or sessions that give small radiation doses per fraction, such that over the next 35 or 45 sessions, the full dose is delivered the other form of uh, uh, delivery is moderate hypofractionation instead of very small dose per treatment we increase the dose a little bit higher so instead of needing 45 sessions we need 20 or 28 sessions and finally now most recently we have been using a lot of sbrt or ultra hypofractionation and with ultra hypofractionation we are giving high dose per treatment and in about 5 sessions or 4 sessions very important that all these ways of delivering radiation are delivered with IMRT, which I'll show in a second. All of these are forms of external beam radiation therapy. A different way of delivering radiation is brachytherapy, which is also called seed radiation. Brachytherapy could be delivered in two ways, low dose rate or LDR. This is when we put the seeds inside the prostate and they stay there forever versus high dose rate or HDR. This is when we put the seeds temporarily for a few minutes and then we remove the seeds via an automated afterloader. So now that I've told you uh, what are the different kinds of radiation that we use, I just want to tell you a little bit about IMRT. So historically, IMRT has been invented only in the last 20 years. Historically, we used to, to use 3D radiation. 3D radiation is at, at a time where we could not shape the radiation fields to match the shape of the prostate. We can give deliver radiation only in the form of a square. So you can see here, this beam coming from, from anterior to the body into the prostate here, goes one beam like this and when one beam like this. And then this is how, what you see is, although the prostate has rec- received the radiation, Uh, uh, which is manifested here as a red color, a lot of normal tissue around the prostate is also getting the red color, which is the high dose of radiation. With the advent of technology, we're able to better shape the radiation around the prostate such that instead of we are delivering a square of radiation, we are delivering a very modulated beam around the prostate. This will reduce the, the radiation dose to the rectum and to the bladder and other normal tissue is this ability of IMRT to modulate the dose that made it so exceptional in 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 delivering the radiation therapies that we want to deliver. I just want to point out one thing about what are the different uh, radiation machines that we have Typically, most radiation around the world for prostate cancer is delivered using a linear accelerator, which is, has this common shape. Patients would lay on the machine here, and then the gantry, which is this machine, would rotate around the patient to deliver the radiation. The CyberKnife is a very unique radiation machine. It's mostly used for delivering the SBRT, which is the high dose per treatment, five sessions or less. And as you see, this is a robotic arm that's capable of moving the linear accelerator, which it produces the radiation into, in a very accurate fashion to deliver the radiation dose. And, and we have this machine at Mount Zion campus in UCSF as well. So what do we do on a daily basis? How do we see patients? Well, how do we think about what kinds of radiation we deliver? So t- typically, this is our common radiation oncology care path. We first see the patient in consult. If we have decided we want to do radiation, we bring them to do a simulation, which is a way to create the setup that through which we are delivering the treatment. And then once the setup is done, we do a CT scan, and then we use that CT scan to design the radiation. This process is called dosimetry. And then our colleagues in medical physics, they have PhDs in medical physics, help us for with quality assurance. And quality assurance means are we really capable of delivering the treatment that we want to uh, deliver? If if the plan, radiation plan passes quality assurance, then we deliver the treatment and then we follow our patients on the long term. And during the treatment, I will go, there are different steps for each treatment which I'll go in in a second. So let's say the decision has been made to proceed with radiation. Typically, the first thing we usually do is to place gold seed markers. Usually, we send our patients to our colleagues in uh, in urology, Dr. Uh, Dr. Cooperberg, Dr. Washington, and Dr. Shinohara. Usually, they put three gold marker seeds. It's a very quick procedure in the office, about 10 minutes, just during the deli- the Placement of these seeds. You see here this white dot. This is one of the seeds. There is another seed here. And these seeds are marker seeds for the external beam. This is, helps us to guide where the radiation is going into the prostate. And occasionally for some patients, we place a spacer gel. As you see here from the anatomy, this is a prostate and this is a rectum. You see they share a common wall. So sometimes for certain patients, such as SVRT, if we want to deliver high dose per treatment, it would be nice to place this buffer zone where we can push the rectum out of the way to deliver high dose of radiation to the to the prostate. So once these gold seed markers and maybe the gel is put, then we bring the patient for a CT scan or a simulation scan. Sometimes we use an MRI with, this, with the CT scan. During this day, we, we we set up the patient in the same position that they are coming for treatment we decide how are we going to set them up are they is they going to lay on their on their back are their hands going to be on their chest or above their head what areas are we going to the ct scan are they we going to treat them with a full bladder or with an empty bladder and are we go, how are we going to make sure that the rectum is empty once a patient is set up and scanned we put some markers which are either tattoos or stickers on the on their body to make sure when they come for their treatment, every time they are set up to these markers. Then after we get the CT scan, we sit back in our offices or at home to do the, the, the planning session. You see, we have a very dedicated computer program software where we draw the targets. This is called contouring. Like we draw the prostate, we draw the rectum, we draw the urethra, we draw the bladder, and we make sure to design the radiation such that the highest dose of the radiation goes to the target, which is the prostate, and the lowest dose goes to the normal tissue surrounding the prostate. And eventually, this is what a radiation plan looks like. I will not go into the detail, but this is something, if you have your records at home, this is something you may see in your records, pictures of the radiation deli- uh, delivery plan uh, like this. So now we have a plan. What do we do? We bring the patients for treatment. This is a very typical couch, radiation couch. Because this is like where the patient would sit. Typically their head's here, their feet here. And you see this couch has a very uh, like a 3D uh, ability to move in all directions, up, down, right, left, and front and back. And sometimes when we, when we set up the patient, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we set them up in this small bag, which they takes the shape of the body. The more accurate we want to be with the radiation, the more involved the setup is. But typically for a patient, for example, who's getting SBRT, they usually sit in this mold bag. So every time the patient will come, we, we, they, they sit in their mold bag or without mold bag. We align them to the marks on their body. Usually there's one mark here, one mark here, one mark here, and then we do a pilot CT scan. And this pilot CT scan, we want to make sure that it aligns perfectly with the CT scan that was done during CT simulation. Look at here. So there are two CT scans here. This is the reference scan, and this is the, tre- the the scan done on the day of the treatment. And as you can see, we're using the gold markers to make sure there is perfect alignment when we deliver the radiation. And these are the gold markers, very tiny pieces of gold. and during the the ct scan we also make sure that the rectum is empty and the bladder is in the appropriate either full or empty as needed now now that we know how we treat how we how we decide on the uh, on the radiation modality not every patient will get the same radiation for example each patient has different cancer each patient have different uh, characteristics of their body independent of the cancer. So after we take these two things, the patient characteristics and the cancer characteristic, then we can decide on the radiation option. Once we have decided, then we discuss with the, with the patient and also usually with our colleagues, Dr. Um, uh, Dr. Cooperberg or Dr. Carroll and our colleagues in medical oncology, Dr. Chow, Dr. Friedlander or Dr. Small. We all usually talk behind the scenes by email or in person or in tumor board. We decide on the best treatment option for them. And then once we have decided, we treat and eventually we follow the patient. Now, these are... The some of the considerations, for example, for the cancer itself, I'm glad that Dr. Cooperberg went into these details. But the stage may play a big, uh, big deal in deciding what treatment the pathology report, what's the Gleason score, how many cores were involved, what was the PSA, what's the PSA density, velocity, what were the findings on MRI, PET scan, and the genetic test. But in addition to these. The patient themselves usually have certain characteristics that guide us one way or another. For example, their their age, their functional status, other comorbidities, and specifically for radiation, have they had radiation before? Do they have Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis? We really don't want to irradiate patients who have these diseases. And also what's the prostate size? Do they have a large median lobe that is bulging from the prostate into the bladder? Have they had prior procedures to the prostate? What's their baseline sexual and urinary function? Uh, only after we know all these things, then we can synthesize a treatment plan. But let's focus on on the on the localized prostate cancer. But before we go on to localized, I want to tell you, this is how I think about my patients when they come. So I divide in my head, when I first see a patient, is this the initial presentation, meaning the ca- patient just been diagnosed, or have they been treated for uh, for prostate cancer, be sure, either with surgery and radiation? If this is their initial presentation, do they have localized prostate cancer or did the cancer go to the uh, to the lymph node or it went to the bone? After I tell these, each of these, categories can be subdivided into further categories. For example, localized prostate cancer, which is what we are going to focus on now. And I will tell you how we treat patients with localized prostate cancer with radiation. But within node positive prostate cancer, there are different groups. Within metastatic prostate cancer, there are different groups. So let's go into localized prostate cancer. So in the absence of node involvement or disease outside the pelvis, this is considered localized prostate cancer. Over the past 20 or 30 years, radiation therapy has developed to provide recommendations for localized prostate cancer based on the NCCN guidelines. And the NCCN guidelines would risk stratify or divide patients with localized prostate cancer into very low, low, intermediate, high, and very high risk based on their PSA, the results of the rectal exam MRI on ultrasound and the biopsy results. So let's go into each of these categories. Very low and low-risk prostate cancer. These are patients who have low PSA, Gleason 6, or based on the finger exam or the ultrasound, the cancer is in less than one half of the prostate. And this is a unanimous decision in UCSF. All these patients are sent for, to, to our colleagues in urology for active surveillance. And this is how we practice as well. Patients who have favorable intermediate risk prostate cancer. What classify you to be favorable intermediate is if your PSA is 10 to 20, if your Gleason score is seven, or if your cancer is in more than one half of the prostate or in both half of the prostate. One of these makes you favorable intermediate. Two or three puts you in the unfavorable intermediate. But in addition to having one of these, no higher risk features, meaning the cancer did not go, co- did not go through the capsule, did not go into the seminal vesicles. The PSA is less than 20, and you don't have four plus three or Gleason eight or higher disease. If you fall into the favorable intermediate risk prostate cancer, your treatment options, in addition to active surveillance, radical prostatectomy, and focal therapies, your treatment option is radiation, and radiation is delivered without hormone therapy. And any form of radiation is good treatment for for favorable intermediate risk. Whether you do the 44 treatments, conventional fractionation, 20 treatments, moderate hypofractionation, five treatments with SBRT, the permanent seed or terminal seed are all excellent. And it is our belief that radiation and radical prostatectomy do provide equivalent uh, equ- equivalent oncological outcome with uh, different uh, kinds of side effects. This is when patient preference for what side effects they are willing to accept play a major role into the decision making here. Now, unfavorable intermediate risk prostate cancer. As I said, two or three of these characteristics or Gleason 4 plus 3, but no high risk features again. Treatment options, radical prostatectomy is an excellent option, but with radiation, we highly recommend that patients who have unfavorable intermediate risk prostate cancer get hormonal therapy for four to six months. And also with radiation, the options remain very wide. Conventional fractionation, moderate hypofractionation, SBRT, or more recently we have been offering patients who who, conventional conventional fractionation and additional radiation uh, boost to the prostate. So for example, this is brachytherapy plus conventional fractionation. High and very high risk prostate cancer. This is the upper bound of patients who have localized prostate cancer. These have high- risk features such as the cancer went through the capsule or into the seminal vesicles. The PSA is greater than twenty or Gleason eight or higher. Within this category, patients with very high risk prostate cancer, they have multiple high- risk features. Their cancer is in their seminal vesicles. They have multiple cores with Gleason 8 or higher, or they have 5 plus 4 or 5 plus 5. Treatment options for these two categories are radical prostatectomy, definitely an option, and radiation therapy with long term hormonal therapy. And the duration, the exact duration of hormone therapy could be tailored based on the exact disease feature that they have. With radiation, we offer conventional fractionation, moderate hypofractionation and conventional fractionation with boost to the prostate. And this is my my preferred option for patients with high and very high-risk prostate cancer. Now, one point about patients with very high-risk prostate cancer, and they decide to get radiation therapy, we usually send them to Dr. Small or our colleagues in medical oncology to discuss, not necessarily to give, but to discuss additional hormonal therapy beyond Lupron and Firmagon. Now, radiation, uh, Radiation does have some side effects, of course, and um, uh, I really like to think about radiation as a local therapy, meaning the side effects of the treatment are, is related to what's around the prostate. And around the prostate is the bladder and the rectum and the sexual nerve. So the domains of toxicity are bowel, urinary, and sexual dysfunction. However, because radiation can cause a state of inflammation, fatigue is a very common side effect of radiation, but it's usually mild and self-limiting and will go away within a few weeks after the treatment. During the treatment, radiation may cause urinary urgency, frequency, bowel urgency and frequency, some diarrhea and sometimes dysuria. On the long-term, now luckily, similar to surgery, most patients are going to do well. However, a lot of patients will have some side effects. Among these common side effects are dry ejaculate. Erectile dysfunction, urinary urgency and frequency, cystitis and proctitis, which is uh, bladder or rectal injury that may affect the quality of life, not very common. Luckily, urethral stricture, also scarring around the u- urethra, which also not very common. Secondary malignancies, which are cancer caused by the radiation, are extremely rare, maybe one in one in one to five hundred. And um, thank you so much for attending today. Thank you very much. Um, We have a few questions. I think we'll get to some of these in the panel, but maybe a couple uh, quickly. Um, Any comment on MRI-guided radiation using mri or other systems um, currently available at UCLA? Yeah. So, so, you know, recently um, UCLA published or presented some data about MRI guidance, which is basically very similar to to what we do, but the linear accelerator, the machine that delivers the radiation has the ability to do an MRI, not only a CT scan. So the interesting thing about the MRI is that the MRI is a better imaging modality to see soft tissue, to see the prostate. So when we do radiation using MR-LINAC, you are capable to see the prostate better. So instead of giving our typical um, our typical um, expansion or margin around the prostate with CT guidance is usually around three to five millimeter. With MR linac, you can do only three millimeter around the prostate. So it's believed that this is shrinkage of margin in, from th- five millimeter to three millimeter can reduce the toxicity. However, it's very interesting that the data that came from UCLA. It's you know there's lots of questions about the data. For example. Um, So one thing that's very important is that they show that uh, mister Lenac decreased acute urinary toxicity at at three months from 45% to 25%. I think that the 45% acute urinary toxicity on CT-guided Lenac is very high. If you look at most studies, the grade two or higher urinary toxicity with the radiation on the CT the CT Linac is around 25 percent. So I'm not sure why they specifically had a significantly higher uh, to- urinary toxicity compared to patients uh, who were treated on other clinical trials, such as the very famous Space B study. Now the other thing is, you can know it's very important is that although the patient-reported outcomes were better with the MR-LINAC one month after the radiation, that difference completely disappeared three months. So although the the MR-LINAC decreased toxicity very early after radiation, this difference does not show on the long term, which also uh, puts us to the same question, is proton therapy better? and will larger studies show uh, an improvement with MR-Linux? It's still very, very early to decide. MR-Linux are extremely expensive. So, so there is a marketing uh, question here. Are we going to market uh, this very expensive uh, uh, st- uh, uh, treatment modality uh, aggressively? It's, you know, it's, time will tell. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying we still don't have data.